So, digging into a small town experience, establishing a sense of community within that, within those boundaries, where there was a sense of community and then where there often is not, where it's a myth, the concept of community. And again, um, I guess it's different for, in my scenario, a college town, a small town in New Brunswick where many of the people who, well, let's say there was a, there was a town of five, 6,000, half of which during this, the school months were students, right? So then you have two, 3,000 people left when there's no, when there's no students in town. But the sense of community, it was divided between, my observation was three distinct, three or four distinct groups. Um, okay, so there was the, okay, so there's the two original groups, the quote unquote townies and then the, the students. Now within the students you have the artsy indie people. Then you have the jocks, the, pe- the various people who comprised of, you know, sorry, the, the jocks who were comprised of the soccer team, the volleyball team, the basketball team, the football team. Uh, what was the other one? There was a lacrosse team, and then I think there was a hockey team. There was a, the women's hockey team. So there you go. Then you have immigrants they're, they're sorry the immigrant students what are the, what's the exact term? the international students the immigrant students the international students many from it's a variety of countries so let's we won't even really get into the specifics um and then you have and then there's you know the various subgroups so you know most people came from the maritimes that went there um, and then you had like a contingent of people from BC and then you had a contingent of people from sort of more Ontario-ish, Toronto-Ottawa-ish and the various, the various towns, but I'm just kind of generally given a, uh, a grouping and you had a bunch of Montrealers and so on. Not many people from the prairies. Then you had... There was like these American students who were also international students, but they were a subcategory as well. Sorry, I'm keep I'm, if I get distracted, it's because I keep getting this these notifications. I'm seem to be I have this like dismissive tweet that seems to be getting a lot of attention. <laughs> anyway, um, it keeps notifying me. Anyway, um, so I guess what I'm getting out there with all these groupings, and then you have the the, the townies, you know. And then within, and then even within the athlete group, you have like they'll faction off into the various sports, and then the immigrant students will then section off. Sorry, the international students will then section off into you know their own groups based on race and country, you know. And then the and then you have the you know the indie kind of arts kids were generally more um, of a collective. Um, 
but this is my thing. Then there were quote unquote the others, which I more identified with. And it wasn't even a real group. It was just the leftover people were, I call others, you know. Notification again. <laughs> so, um, this is this is the thing. It's like, even within a smaller population, you're going to find people, this might seem like a tangent, but I'll rope it into the original theme of this article. Within the already small number of people, people will then click up, so to speak, and form the subgroups within those groups, within that, that, that overarching group, in an attempt to borderline... I mean, it's all based on interests and hobbies and activities and recreational activities. But then, And then, of course, you have the based on program, right? Like, I mean... It's a school of 3,000 that people are dividing themselves amongst the program, right? This is, you know, science, arts, commerce were the three main ones, obviously. Then there was fine arts. Now, you have, you have this, like, scenario where you're already in a small town, and then you're sectioning off into groups, and you're coming up with these islands, isolationist behavior, echo chamber, echo chamber type scenario in the town where you know it's already there already ain't enough of you now what happens when you're when you're an outsider-ish kind of a person an other quote-unquote then you don't have any real sense of community so then and which was the case for a few of us we discover well, Facebook was whatever what it was. I think I've said this in the last one. In a time where there was just Facebook and Twitter. And this kind of was what will push many people into these virtual spaces more quickly. Is that the real world is already kind of clicking up. The Facebook world lends itself more to that. In a way, because it's Facebook, it's 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 um, you know, many of the people you know in real life. But then, you're keeping in contact with them through this Facebook app. What is the easier way to connect with a broader range of people? Then you have Twitter. And when he says here, um, it's kind of like whatever. I think I can't find no. Facebook is like porn or whatever. It's like it's fake and it's like a real, it's like a non, it's an inadequate version of the real thing. There's truth to that. I really want to find, let me try and find it. Oh, here we go. Facebook is the real community as porn is the real sex. A cheap digital knockoff for those who can't do better. And you know, If your immediate environment is lacking does it really matter whether you you know whether it's whether one perceives it as a fake um, knockoff or whatever I'll put it like this 
when he says porn is a cheap um, digital knockoff, I actually have you know I think that I think that shit is a waste of time personally. I don't, I don't watch porn. Um, I was actually thinking earlier about how what you know when you see, when you talk about men embodiment image issues as I was ranting about earlier. I was thinking of that article that I also read, and I was thinking the the bodybuilder who had this basically disorder, eating disorder, body image issue, body image issues, self image issues, and so on, and how he's sort of keeping up, he keeps up his appearance of normalcy, and then meanwhile is like it's super obsessive. And you know, you think, and then and then again, we often think of like these body image issues with with um like we targeted to women right as if we we specified to women like old women who have these problems which then allows a whole cross-section of men to kind of fall through the cracks because eating disorders i mean the the conversation is happening more now obviously but um you think you know like what are some of the key places in which men see examples of see example see images of men which would then prompt them to go so far all right some of it is the being a smaller person then you want to get jacked kind of a thing some of it is being like a traditionally overweight person which is more like me like i was always i have more like i've said like i'm more of like a yo-yo or whatever so i see leanness as more of the um Sorry, this damn notifications. Um, I see leanness as more of the goal versus being like jacked or whatever. I wouldn't call that. Okay, so there's that. Now, what are some of the other traditional ways that I, what else would a dude see that would make him kind of be like, I want to look like that guy? Yeah, dude at the gym, maybe sports. There you go. That's one. Athletes, professional athletes. Um, was another one porn right dudes watch they consume so much porn they see a certain body type and then whether they i mean whether they want to admit it or not that's definitely probably one of the main um images that is almost forced upon a certain a certain you know i'd hate to be 18 now with access to porn now you know what i mean like <laughs> if you're 15 and you like you just basically if you're 15 and you're like okay i'm 15 and i'm, I'm starting to watch porn in 2018 that is almost a harder hurdle to sort of overcome and then but then of course it becomes normalized i guess and so on and so forth anyway um but yes let me let me let me, let me pick this let me, I, I think i lost my train of thought here hold up Right, so I remember where I was going with that. Now, tying that whole porn thing back to um, porn, and I guess also you could kind of make a vague comparison to like, you know, escorts versus meeting women in real life or so on. Um, For these dudes who are sitting there saying like, oh, I have these genetically, and you know, you're going to know where I'm going with this. 
he's genetically have this genetic disadvantage to fucking being attracted to women. I can't have sex because supposedly my genetics disallow for that to happen. And therefore, there's a certain amount of dudes who look good, who have access to a certain number of girls that look good. And um, that means I'm at a disadvantage. The stats show that most most girls are competing for the, that number of guys. And then because, you know, the, the stereotypical um, image of a of a girl who's like overly sexual, they end up with the, the really attractive guys, and then because of that, the rest of the, the rest of the women then settle for people like me. Because they settle for people like me, this is unfair, and therefore, quote unquote, sex should be uh, distributed equally amongst everybody. And it's kind of like you see where I'm going. It's like, okay, so you think that? If you think that. You know, maybe you should be looking more towards alternative um, ways of of procuring sex, not really looking at it as a, as a systemic thing that the system should put a program in place. But maybe you should shell out your money and just there's you know there's a there's a a safe escort here who's exchanging services. Exchanging services for cash, you know, they won't judge you and so on. Get it over with and keep moving instead of killing people. <sighs> I know that that went in a weird direction, <laughs> but that's you know, I don't know. But anyway, the sense of community. So is it is 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 is, is Facebook and I guess the the the. Um, you know, by default, all the other various networks, are they cheap substitutes? I think, you know, I think right now it's appropriate to get into some for the remaining now 100 and 240 bars to pull up the 6,000 word manifesto. I'm just going to read some of this. Uh, this is from, this is Mark Zuckerberg's 6,000 word manifesto. You can find it on Facebook. For those of you who didn't delete your account, or for even for those who did delete and then re- reinstalled it, um, this is a time when many of us around the world are reflecting on how we can have the most positive impact. I am reminded of my favorite saying about technology: "We always overestimate what we can do in two years, and we underestimate what we can do in ten. We may not have the power to create the world we want immediately, but we can all start working on the long term today." In times like these, the most important thing we at Facebook can do is develop the social infrastructure to give people the power to build a global community that works for all of us. For the past decade, Facebook has focused on connecting families and friends. Let me stop for a minute here, actually. This is almost, this is a personal thing. For the past little while, I've been really, it's like... Right there, it said connecting friends and families, yet I read families and friends. And at various other points where I'm reading things or narrating, I'm filling in blank with planks that don't exist. I'm leaving out stuff. I don't know. That's, that's concerning. It's very concerning. 
Um, I need to go to the doctor and check that shit out. Anyway, let me keep reading here. Um, connecting friends and families. With that, with that foundation, our next focus will be developing the social infrastructure for community, for supporting us, for keeping us safe, for informing us, for civic engage, engagement, and for inclusion of all. Now I'm becoming self-conscious about narrating. Uh, bringing us all together as a global community is a project bigger than any one organization or company, but Facebook can help contribute, contribute, sorry, to answering these five important questions. How do we help support, build, how do, oh my God. See what I mean? How do we help build supportive communities that strengthen traditional institutions in a world where membership in these institutions is declining? How do we help people build a safe community that prevents harm, helps during crises, oh God, crises, and rebuilds afterwards in a world where anyone across the world can affect us? How do we help people build an informed community that exposes us to new ideas and builds common understanding in a world where every person has a voice? How do we help build... How do we help people build a civically engaged community in a world where participation in voting sometimes includes less than half our population? How do we people build an inclusive community that reflects our collective values and common humanity from local to global levels, spanning cultures, nations, and regions in a world with a few examples of global communities? All right. That fourth point there is interesting to me. And I don't have enough time to get into it in this because I run out of bars, but I'll just restate it. How do we help people build a civically engaged community in a world where participation in voting sometimes includes less than half our population? Anyway, uh, my hope is that more of us will commit our energy to building the long-term social infrastructure to bring humanity together. The answers to these questions won't all come from Facebook, obviously, but I believe we can play a role. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Supportive communities. Building a global community that works for everyone starts with the millions of smarter, smaller communities and intimate social structures we turn to for our personal, emotional, and spiritual needs. Whether they're churches, sports teams, unions, or other local groups, they all share important roles as social infrastructure for our communities. They provide all of us with a sense of purpose and hope, moral validation, that we are needed and part of something bigger than ourselves, comfort that we are not alone and a community is looking out for us, mentorship, guidance, and personal development, a safety net, values, cultural norms, and accountability, social gatherings, rituals, and a way to meet new people and a way to pass time, a.k.a. waste time, a.k.a. escapism. Um, In our society, we have personal relationships with friends and family, and then we have institutional relationships with the governments that set the rules. A healthy society also has many layers of communities between us and government that take care of our needs. When we refer to our social fabric, we usually mean the many mediating groups that bring us together and reinforce our values. 
And yeah, this is the interesting. That's interesting. I got to almost, uh, yeah, I got to read all this tonight, actually. I have nothing to do tonight. <laughs> However, there has been a striking, a striking decline in the important social infrastructure of local communities over the f- past few decades. Since the 1970s, membership in some local groups has declined by as much as one quarter, cutting across all the segments of population. The decline, the decline raises deeper questions alongside surveys showing larger population percentages. Ah, percentages of our population lack a sense of hope for the future. I'll, I'll stop getting frustrated with that shit. Sorry. It is possible many of our challenges are at least as much social as they are economic, related to a lack of community and connection to something greater than ourselves. As one pastor told me, you wonder sometimes if this is like that right there is almost like it's like a a quote unquote plant shill kind of a thing. Yeah, as one pastor told me, let me rope you in with you know the terminology of a pastor. Anyway, as one pastor told me, people feel unsettled. A lot of what was settling in the past doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I mean it could be true. He could have actually spoken to a pastor. Anyway, online communities are a bright spot. And we can strengthen existing physical communities by helping people come together online as well as offline. In the same way, connecting with friends online strengthens real relationships. Developing this infrastructure will strengthen these communities as well as enable completely new ones to form. A woman named Christina was diagnosed with a rare disorder called epidermolysis bullosa. And now she's a member of a group that connects 2,400 people around the world, so none of them have to suffer alone. A man named Matt was raising his two sons by himself, and he started the Black Fathers Group to help men share advice and encouragement as they raise their families. In San Diego, more than 4,000 military families, family members are part of a group that helps them make friends with other spouses. These communities don't just interact online. They hold get-togethers, organize dinners, and support each other in their daily lives. You know, I don't really want to be like, because again, Facebook and you know, my relationship with Facebook is meh. I almost want to tweet out this this manifesto because without like I haven't even read this, and a lot of it echoes my own philosophy, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, we recently found. Oh, I'm almost done here. All right, I'm going to let the music ride out, then I'll pick up this. I won't read the whole 6,000 words. Maybe I'm almost done here. No, I'm not almost done. I'm not almost done. So I'll pick this up, read some, and then, you know, talk a bit more about it. Rant on. Mm-hmm. 